So it's the second week of Advent. And when Phil opened our Advent series last week, and by the way, if you haven't listened to Phil's teaching from last week, then probably stop this and go listen to it now. Um, But when Phil did open our Advent series last week, he explained how for this series, we're using the church lectionary to guide our biblical content throughout Advent. The lectionary is, is a worldwide text that churches can follow to shape and guide their teaching. So, by stepping into the lectionary with this series, our church here in the southwest corner of Calgary, Alberta, syncs up with the scriptures being read in churches all over the world. Which, if you think about it, is pretty cool. Now, every week, the lectionary has Old Testament and New Testament readings. And this week, week two of Advent, the focus is on the appearance of John the Baptist, this forerunner prophet who spoke of the coming of Jesus and also happened to be Jesus' cousin. Now, what's interesting is that the texts that we read today frame a phenomenal story. On one side of the story, we have the Old Testament text from Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Now, Malachi basically introduces us to a fascinating moment in the biblical story. Malachi is a prophet working around about 100 years after the return of the exiles to Jerusalem. And the general attitude in the area at the time was that now that we're back in Jerusalem, we must be fine. And therefore, all the problems of the world are the fault of somebody else. Basically, the attitude was kind of like, What's wrong with everybody else? Because we're okay. So things in Malachi's time were obviously substantially different than life today. But, but being more serious, into this context, Malachi appears with the first reading that we read today. And he talks about a way being prepared for God a future day coming when God will come and set things right. And he talks about God and how he will act like a refiner who heats the metal until all of the impurities are removed from it, or like a bar of soap that scrubs till the laundry is clean. So think about this. There's a group of people who think that they are fine and the problem is with everybody else. And Malachi comes and points out that God still has work to do in them there's still preparation needed. Now, this theme of God's work on us is present through many of the later Old Testament prophets. And it's even a major theme in Jewish texts that precede Jesus, but are not in the Bible. Texts that are known as deuterocanonical or apocrypha in some places. And while these texts are not part of Christian scripture, they do give us some interesting historical insights into the attitudes and beliefs of people leading up to the advent of Jesus. So, for example, in the book of Baruch, chapter 5 and verse 7, we see this take on God's refining work. Baruch says, For God has ordered that every high mountain and the everlasting hills be made low, and the valleys filled up to make level ground so that Israel may walk safely in the glory of God. And now, that's likely going to sound a little familiar to you if you've been reading the birth stories of Jesus in preparation for Advent and Christmas. Because this is a recurrent theme, that God's refining will be a leveling. God is not putting everything right by bringing everybody up to the same level. But there's a a sort of raising and a lowering going on. In the original language, the word used for being made low is the word humble. The kingdom of God 
that God is bringing and building is uncomfortable for some people. And so, the Old Testament texts provide one side of our lectionary readings for today. On the other side, the lectionary gospel reading for the second Sunday of Advent comes from Luke chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. And this text announces the arrival of John the Baptist as forerunner of Jesus. And when that text was read, I wonder if you noticed how the language of that announcement mirrors what we saw in Malachi and Baruch by, by sort of riffing on Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. A voice has come, and that voice is announcing the refining work of God, and that work of God is at its advent, its beginning. But what really struck me this year as I read these Advent Gospel texts is the intro that Luke gives us. Did you notice it in Luke chapter 3 and verse 1? In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod was the tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip was the tetrarch of Eturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias was tetrarch of Abilene. This was during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So why did that capture me? Well, it may not be obvious because we sort of heard these names so many times in Bible stories over the years. But what if I reworded the passage like this and see if you spot what I'm saying? What would you think if you heard something like this? In the 69th year of the reign of Elizabeth II, when Justin Trudeau was Prime Minister of Canada, Jason Kenney was Premier of Alberta, and Yoti Gondek was Mayor of Calgary. During the time when David Harvey was teaching pastor at Westside King's Church, the Word of God came to John. Now, if you heard a, a, a kind of phrase like that, what would you think? And I reckon that sort of unconsciously, you would realize that you were listening to a piece of history, to something that really happened to real people in a real place at a real time. So Luke is telling us something. When he's talking about Caesar and Pilate and Herod, he's telling us that the words of Isaiah, the words of Malachi, and even the things that Baruch talked about in the Apocrypha, those things have landed. It's gone from an ethereal prophecy to a place, from an idea to an individual. So the first text that we read today from Malachi, it pushed an idea. It was ethereal and, and something in the future. Luke's text says, oh, that, that happened. It happened over there. Kind of like it almost as if he said, yeah, it was at three o'clock on Friday. Like this far out dream that God seems to process through in Malachi that seemed unbelievable, almost untrustworthy. Luke is saying, oh, that, that happened. Advent happened in the reign of Caesar. Jesus happened in the real world. John the Baptist came into the real world and announced this. Being a Jesus follower, it happens in the real world. Like, I wonder how often I allow my understanding of following Jesus to plot almost a regressive path back into simply being a theory or an idea do I sometimes forget that following Jesus is something that happens in history, or it, or it should be anyway? Is spirituality something that moves me towards reality or away from it? 
I wonder how many of us are tempted sometimes to almost walk away from Christianity because it feels like a theory, but doesn't seem to work in the world of, of real things. So, with that in mind, here's the bookends that we have of the text that we're reading today. On one side, we have Malachi, and on the other side, we have Luke telling us that Malachi's prophecies are, are kind of happening and coming true. But here's the thing. <laughs> Between, between prophecy and the real world, there's a gap, there's a space. And there's, well, well let's use that, that Advent word that we all love again, <laughs> there's waiting. Like we're in the middle, there's a meantime. And that takes us to the middle lectionary text for today. And that text is from Luke chapter one and verse 68. And if you read that text, it's a great piece of homework for you. Sit and read that text with, around a table with some friends or some family or on your own. The text is a song. It's a prayer, or a prophecy even, from none other than John the Baptist's dad. But before we get to exploring what it is he says, let's drop into that story, which opens Luke's Gospel. Luke begins by telling us about this priest called Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. And he tells us three things about this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. He tells us that they were good. He tells us that they were old, and he tells us they had no children. So in Luke chapter one and verse 11 then, we meet Zechariah in the temple doing his job. The text reads like this. Unannounced, an angel of God appeared just to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was paralyzed in fear, but the angel reassured him, don't fear, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Elizabeth, your wife, will bear a son by you, and you are to name him John. Now, I mean, Thousands of people every year call their son John without angelic interference, or at least that we're aware of. And you'd be kind of forgiven for expecting a more impressive name from a godly messenger. For example, like God told Isaiah that his son should be called Maher Shalal Hashbaz. So John kind of seems a little underwhelming. But in Zechariah's case, this was a break from his family tradition. So something significant was happening. The story continues to have the angel then basically paint a picture of how this son is going to serve God and help people return to God. To which in verse 18, Zechariah replies, do you expect me to believe this? He says, I'm an old man and my wife is an old woman. But the angel said, I am Gabriel, the sentinel of God, sent especially to bring you this glad news. But because you won't believe me, you'll be unable to say a word until the day of your son's birth. Every word I've spoken to you will come true on time, God's time. And then Luke fades this story out, begins to focus on Elizabeth's cousin, a young girl called Mary. But before he leaves it, he tells us two things. He tells us that Elizabeth does get pregnant and also that Zechariah can't speak anymore. So all of their dreams this older couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, all of their dreams are supposedly coming true, but the story departs and leaves them old, speechless, and waiting. I wonder how often that's the story of our lives. 
Like the story told in today's lectionary readings, it's kind of our story. On one side, there's Malachi, an idea, a hope, a dream. And then there's on the other side, there's Luke, the history, the real, the happening, that yes, this is what actually went on. But in order to get from one side to the other, we have to go through the waiting. We have to wait for things to happen, as the angel says, on God's time. And the image that sort of describes this waiting in Zechariah's case is that of pregnancy, which is quite powerful if you think about it, if you reflect on this, that Zechariah is waiting for someone to be born. Pregnancy is a sort of waiting that we can't rush. Pregnancy is, is slow. I mean, nine months in an age, in a culture that you know, survives by Amazon Prime, waiting for anything longer than a day is difficult. But pregnancy, not only is it long and slow, pregnancy is difficult because there's, there's just so much you can't see. Most of the time, it kind of seems like nothing's happening. And perhaps at the roots of all of this, if we can't see it, one of the reasons that pregnancy can become uncomfortable is that it probably means we're not controlling it. And as we all know well, we hate being out of control. And in the Advent story of Zechariah, he is a man out of control. He can't see what's happening. He can't even speak. Everything is happening around about him while he's in the middle. And I think that this is what Advent teaches us. It teaches us about waiting, and it teaches us about what happens when we're waiting, when we're in the middle. Tish Harrison Warren says it in this way, which I love. She says, to practice Advent is to lean into an almost cosmic ache, our deep wordless desire for things to be made right, and the incompleteness that we find in the meantime the incompleteness we find in the meantime. And so we're living in the meantime. Zechariah's in the meantime. Things are happening, but he can't see. He can't speak to it. And because of that, I think eventually we come to realize that actually what appears to be just a period of waiting between one side and the other is actually more than that. This period of waiting is actually a transition period. It's a period of change. It's what we sometimes call liminal space, where we're leaving one thing, arriving at another thing, but presently we're in the middle and we're neither of those things. And I wonder if that's not where these texts meet us today as individuals, between things, waiting, and perhaps not even aware that this waiting is also a transition. Like think about the pandemic as Phil talked about in our last teaching, like things have changed while we've all been in lockdown. Initially, we thought it was just a moment of waiting till everything went back to normal, but now we're realizing that when we come out of this, lots of things will be different. And what about us as a Christian community, the Westside King's Church? Like, are we not in a period of transition, of change, where we're somewhere between the beginning and the end and things are, things are different? And what happens is when we tell biblical stories, we often go, let's say like this, we often go light on time. Like in Zechariah's case, after nine months, his wife gives birth and he writes that the boy's name is John. And, and as soon as he does this, he regains his ability to talk. <laughs> 
And there's just a few verses of scripture that represent nine months of silence and difficulty, of transition, of change. Like it's difficult, but it just gets described so quickly that we forget that journey. We forget how difficult waiting can be. And what I want to do is acknowledge that this might be a difficult time to be part of Westside King's Church. Like things are different, things are changing. And you probably don't feel like you've got a lot of control over those things. And how does that affect us? How does that impact us? What do we do in the middle of that? And so I want to really quickly just say three things about transition. Things that hopefully help us get from here to there. Things that, that we can maybe identify about what it's like to be in the middle. The sort of things that we might even see and we can guess are part of Zechariah's story. The first thing is this. Transition, going from here to there, is unsettling. One of the first things to go when things change, one of the first things to disappear is a feeling of safety and certainty. Like things are different and that impacts us. Like I used to know what I was going to get when I turned up at church. And now maybe I'm not so sure. Sermons are different. Music is different. Staff are different. And it doesn't actually matter whether those changes are good or bad, whether you like those changes or don't like those changes. That actually doesn't matter that much because they're different. And whether the changes happen for whatever reason, if you're not certain about it, or if you haven't made the choice yourself, you feel unsettled. And some of that just comes with the territory of change. It is, as they say, inevitable. But as leaders at Westside Kings, we want you to feel safe. We want you to know that we're committed to doing what is good, but we're deeply aware that church should be a solid and reliable part of your life. And so therefore, we want to identify that it's difficult to be in a time when church feels shaky and uncertain. Secondly, Transition, moving from here to there, is emotional. And I want to respect that change isn't processed on a piece of paper. It's not processed in a, in a PowerPoint slideshow or even in a sermon, but we process change in our hearts. And as such, there's an emotional weight that accompanies living in a time of change. There's a, there's a grieving for the past that has gone, for what happened in the past and why that has come to an end. And that can be accompanied by a hopefulness for the future, but it can also be accompanied by a nervousness about the future. Added to which, you also have the uncertainty of being in the middle. And I want to say that this is real it's not made up. Your feelings matter. Your emotions are real things. So perhaps for you right now, church is bringing out different emotions, sadness, grief, excitement and hope, or maybe anger and discontent. I don't know, but I want to say that those emotions are valid and they're understandable. I'd simply invite you to do this. Acknowledge those emotions yourself. Be aware of the fact that your emotions are perhaps impacting you right now. And then please know that you are welcome to continue to gather and participate. Because for me, church should always be a safe space for your emotions, whatever they are, to be acknowledged as you journey in this time of middle. Thirdly, transition from here 
to there is uncomfortable. Like, like I'm a creature of habit, and I'm increasingly realizing that we're all creatures of habit. We like things to be a certain way. And when things change, there's new habits and, and, and new ways to learn, and that's, like, that's not the easiest of things. And you meet these people occasionally that seem to love change, but for the most of us, we kind of like things going the way that we know how they go. And if you add to that the feeling that perhaps changes are being forced upon you, that you've had to adopt new habits that you didn't choose, like, you know, when somebody tells you that you're now going to eat like this and not like that anymore, like, that's not always a comfortable feeling. The change is hard enough as it is, much less, much less when it's forced upon me. I was thinking about it like that, that moment that happens every year when my phone manufacturer produces a major software update. And think about the process that's involved in that. For months, the designers have been working on this new software that's going to make my phone be amazing, uh, more amazing than how amazing it was when they told me to buy it because it was amazing. And for months, they've been working on this new software. And then for weeks, the beta testers have been trialing it. But me? Well, I went to bed one night and woke up in the morning and the update was installed on my phone, and all of a sudden, I didn't know how to use my phone anymore. Buttons had moved to different parts of the screens, and maps didn't work the way it used to, and you know, what happened to all of those phone calls, and where are my messages gone? And I kind of wonder if it doesn't feel a little bit like that at church at the moment. Like you're, you're waiting for the next change, you're waiting for the next adjustment, and you're not sure until it happens how you're going to feel about it. And it might feel like there's people working behind the scenes that are in the know, and that sort of feels uncomfortable, and that's difficult. And I simply again want to say this, as best as we can, like nobody wants you to feel uncomfortable at Westside Kings, but we understand that you might. And for our part as leaders, we want you to know that we're aware of the moment that we're in, and that we want, even in the uncomfortable moments, for you to feel safe, and for you to feel heard. So that as we make this transition, hopefully together as a community, it happens at a pace that we're all kind of okay with. So, nine months in, Zechariah says his name is John. For nine months, I think you can imagine that Zechariah would feel unsettled, that he would feel emotional, and that he would feel uncomfortable. But something seemed to happen. It seems that somewhere in that journey, from I don't believe that we can have a son to his name is John, something has taken Zechariah on a journey. It seems he came to realize that God can work in those moments, in those places. His name is John, Zechariah says. Something happened to get him from here to there. And this Advent, I want to believe that God is working in us, working in us as individuals, working in us as a community, as a church community. I want to believe that God's working wider in our city as well. And maybe we are between a beginning and an end of a period of our history. But I think that the Advent story of Zechariah shows us the journey that we can take, knowing that God does act, He does guide, and He does assist us within our history. Remember, Luke told us it all happened at a real place in a real time. So what I'm hoping is that the call of these texts and this story is, is clear to us. There is a beginning 
a Malachi-like moment of hope for the future. And then there is also an end, a moment in history where what God has promised happens. But there is a middle, the meantime, the liminal space where we are changing, but we're not yet there. And in that place, in that middle, the call of the story seems to be this. Don't stop in the middle, but wait in the middle. And there's a huge difference between stopping and waiting. Following God seems to take a lot of waiting. Whether it's at this point of the Jesus story, waiting in pregnancy, or whether you go to the other end of the gospel stories where we have to wait from the Friday of Jesus' death through to the Sunday of his resurrection. God, God seems to work in the waiting. Or perhaps you say it like this, when you're following Jesus, there just seems to be a lot of holy Saturdays where between the Friday and the Sunday, we're not sure what's happening. But I genuinely believe that God can work on us in these waitings. And that's kind of why we practice Advent as a church. We practice Advent because we believe that God works in us. We believe this, that we don't exit in the same way that we started. Somewhere between here and there, God does stuff in us. And so here's the one extra thing that I want to say about waiting. It's not stopping. It is waiting, but it's not working. Ah, you say, wait a minute, I remember the Malachi text from today. It says, prepare a way. But look closely. The words are not words to us. These words prepare the way of the Lord are words that God is announcing that a way must be prepared, not for us to make a way in order to get to God, but for him to come to us. And in the, in the middle text of our, of our readings for today, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 68, Zechariah announces something shortly after he gets his voice back. In verse 68, he says, Praise be to the Lord, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. And this opens up this song that Zechariah sings uh, as he gets his voice back. But notice what he says. The Lord has come. The Lord is coming to us. Prepare the way, John the Baptist announces. God is coming towards us. And that's the beauty of Advent. That's why we can wait in the middle, because we know that it's not that we've stopped, and it's not that we've got all this work to do, but that we're waiting for the God who is coming towards us. So may you know the God who is with you in the waiting. May you know peace and serenity in the waiting. May you realize that even though we might be waiting for a change, that God is working and preparing us in this time. And may you know that God is doing all the hard work of making a way forward for us and towards us. And may his grace and peace continue to be with you throughout Advent.